0: What? <laughs> Hello, you. It's Graham Norton here. Thank you so much for listening to my Virgin Radio podcast with Waitrose. This week on the show, actor Gabriel Byrne has news of his memoir-turned-one-man show, Walking with Ghosts. Marcus Mumford, you know, Mumford and Sons, has a brand new solo album coming out called Self-Titled. And Altered Images are back with new music. Claire Grogan joins me to tell us about their first new material in almost 40 years. Will someone win our fancy Waitrose gift box in a game of Guess the Guest? Find out later on, and we've been putting our heads together to solve your dilemmas in Graham's Guide. Here's Maria to tell us more. Were the trains all right today?
1: Not too bad, Graham, not oh, too bad. Well, you were really bright and early. Just the 14 hours today <laughs> <laughs> from Southeastern.
0: Lovely. But, but you've got your sandwiches and tinfoil. I have,
1: I have, you know, <laughs> and I've got spare oxygen. Um, I felt like I'd already done a day's work this morning because my little small poodle decided last night was a good time to go and explode on my pink carpet.
0: Oh no. Yeah. Not your pink carpet. Yes,
1: my pink carpet.
0: <laughs> well, uh, poo Who is is in the name? <laughs>
1: poo of poodle. Yes, it's true. I don't know what it was. Pulled pork maybe.
0: Yes, I'm not There's sure. A small... here. I'm not poo sure. And poodle <laughs> yeah. and pulled pork. pork. Yes. It's like a children's book. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, that can't. That, I can't imagine pulled pork agrees with a small dog's stomach.
1: Uh, well, clearly not, but they you are. Um, I may move, Graham, and in my dotty dotage, this was my plan to yes. move to a place with a garden. Oh, lovely. Yes. When you get that's a what, cat. That's what you do, isn't it, when you have nothing left in your life? You, go, you do gardening. Now, all the people that do lovely gardens, I'm sorry, I did not mean that. But it's so much harder than I thought because I went and had a trial run of gardening, oh, yes. removing brambles, etc. Uh, uh, my arms are, you know, uh, somebody actually asked me, was I self-harming? Because my <laughs> arms are so bad. Those brambles and my legs, you have to really basically wear a bee suit to not get scratched in a garden. I blame... Do you do it? No,
0: because I blame Monty Don and Alan Titchmarsh. They make it look so easy.
1: Well, they've got sort of, you know, teams of little helpers, but, you know, they are the gods. Monty Don, especially, uh, is a god to the garden people. Well, that's what you should do get someone in
0: to do the heavy brambly bit and then you can just have one of those baskets you know the stupid kind of truck. Ba- it's a trug Oh it's a trug yeah. The one with the basket with no sides
1: Well it's what you put the weeds in or whatever Well no you have
0: it on your arm and no you cut flowers Oh yes And maybe a head of lettuce at one end to balance it out
1: a Head of lettuce I know but there's there's pleasure in the toil I think that's what i'm told i did not find it that, that, <laughs>
2: but maybe i'm not
1: looking hard enough you like you like jumping in cold seawater you know, say you say pl- that's fun yeah pleasure and, and also if you plant things then you see them grow you know you see from soil to plate or whatever if yes you're, if you're going for the head of i lettuce. feel i feel like you see them not grow
0: or you see them grow a little bit and then get eaten by something <laughs> that's what i, I
1: your glass is always half empty graham norton only when it comes to gardening in my life, my glass is normally more than half full. It, it is, it is. Um, so you're, you're saying no to gardening for you personally? Oh, I say no to the gardening. Get someone to do it. I don't get someone to do it. But also, even when
0: I get someone to do it, they don't do much. I mean, they cut the grass. That's yes. about it. Um, I'm not that fussed, really. But don't
1: you get joy from looking at the things that have grown that year? I like looking at the sky. Okay. How was your <laughs> I week? I look up.
0: Oh, I, there was drama. Drama no, in whopping. get out of here. There was drama in Wapping. As if
1: your life isn't dramatic enough. I know, and I
0: slept through it. There was a, <laughs> there was a car crash in the middle of the night. What? Say but what? No, I, I can talk about it because no one was harmed. Well, apart from a wall and a car, they were both very, very harmed. The wall did not doing well. And the
1: Disintegrated.
0: Ca- yeah, and the car... Disintegrated. Ooh, terrible. But the man... Fine. He was out uh in the middle of the night on his phone kind Asking of Asking for
1: another drink. <laughs>
0: yeah. No, it was it was the rain on the cobbles, I think. Uh It, it can get very yes, skiddy. Very skiddy. And uh, but the drama dropped up But I slept through it. So I woke up in the morning and went out to this scene of mayhem and it's quite quiet where I live so I'm I'm amazed that I slept through it
1: well I think I've always felt that you sleep the sleep of kings when you go I mean Mm. I've sat next to you in theatres where you nod (laughs) off and you seem to be in that period of deep sleep where you've gone past the REM you know rapid eye movement and you're in deep sleep and cannot be woken
0: often about half eleven here I'll have a little (laughs) doze will
1: you? when you do a double a double of the songs we
0: we do a segue I'll have a little kip nice yeah Feed up (laughs) oh
1: Virgin
0: Radio. Guide. Do, letters? Letters?
1: Letters are plenty, but I've chosen two. Well Is done. Is that a good thing? Yeah, of course. Because I normally do one and then I'll do another one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, let's, yeah. let's do that. Yeah, yeah, I would do that.
0: Yeah. People seem to enjoy
1: that. I know, I'm glad we yeah. settled on it.
0: OK. Shall okay. I read one at the same time as you're reading one?
1: <laughs> yes, why not? See if we can coordinate. Here we go. Dear Graham and Maria, for the last 18 months I've been taking care of my elderly mother who has Alzheimer's. Apart from the district nurse who pops in every couple of days, I've been doing everything by myself. My sister and I never really had a good relationship with mum as she was quite difficult and we mostly clung to our father. After he died, my sister checked out of the family completely and has not seen our mother for almost a decade and barely messages me. Mum is now moving into a hospice for end-of-life care and who should pop up but my sister, asking when I'm selling the house and giving her the inheritance. I find this very distasteful, especially as I don't want anything and would rather give my half to charity. When I told her this, she threatened legal action. I've spoken to my mother's solicitor, who informed me everything has been left to me. I don't want more drama than I've already endured, but I feel strongly about simply handing her a wad of cash for nothing. What can I do? And that is from Sue in Durham. Oh, Sue in Durham, this is a terribly difficult one. I mean, you're in grief already at the moment. You're working yourself mad. You've had to get her into your mum into a hospice. You... So you say you don't want drama and you certainly don't need drama at the moment. So I would say to you, do you want to be that person? Do you want to be that person who cuts her out, her out? Because whatever it is your mum inherited, she got from your dad, who you both loved, you and your sister loved, and he loved both of you. So some of that money is down to him. I mean, this is a sad time When your mum dies, it will be terrible. And I would say don't make it worse. She is still your sister and she is still your mother and father's daughter. And you don't want that hanging over you that you took. I mean, you say you don't need it. You're going to give your half to charity. Well that's good but don't deny her because you don't want that over you why, why are you looking at me quizzically Graham
0: because the mother's left it all to her it's a legal document it's a, it's a will
1: yes I know but you you would give your sister half wouldn't you but I mean but but she doesn't want like the mother doesn't want
0: the sister to have anything where does it she's, say that it says um, I spoke to the solicitor who informed me everything has been left to me that would be a will Leaving everything to Sue in Durham. OK. Sister, go your hook.
1: OK, so it's QED then. I'm trying to think that there is a way that you give the sister half I mean, of the money. I mean, Sue can
0: give the sister some money if she wants to. Uh, but, you know, but, and the sister. she doesn't
1: all- want it. She She's going to give hers to charity. So give, you know, I mean, look, even if, you know, your mum had left you all of it, you would still give your sister some money, wouldn't you? It, well,
0: obviously, at that, in this moment, I'd give it all to her. But, but Sue is in a very different situation. This sister checked out a decade ago. And Sue has been doing everything for this woman for, I don't know for how long. But 18 certainly...
1: months, for the last 18 months. It's not like it's been 10 years. OK. Because the mum has not been infirm for 10 years. For the last 18 months, with the Alzheimer's, you've had, she's had a district nurse. So it's a, still a long time. I'm not undermining yeah. that. Suit. Also, there's
0: something really grubby about showing up now, kind of like the end is in sight. Well, uh, we end don't of care. know that.
1: It's been presented in that way, you know, about the inheritance and so on. I just still think whatever your sister has done, and she may have her own reasons. She had a different relationship to your mum than you did, clearly. Neither of you particularly were fond of her by the sounds of it. But you have stepped up to the plate and she hasn't. Uh, Do you still want, you know, it's do you want to hold that against her forever? Well,
0: the sister's gone. The sister, you know, barely messages her, hasn't shown up for a decade. And now, that's the thing that I find really good, is now she's bothered to show up sniffing around for some money. I just think that's really... This is not
1: unusual behaviour, Graham. This is not it's not unusual. admirable behaviour. It's not admirable, certainly. But, you know, clearly she doesn't have... Sue doesn't have a good relationship with her, so she got straight to the point. What about selling the house, et cetera, et cetera? It's, uh, it's all too soon and all ugly and grubby. But in the fullness of time, you don't want to be the one who denies her.
0: But whatever happens now, yeah. whether she gives that sister money or not their relationship is I would say Finished. broken forever. Yeah. Finished, yes. Yes. So but, why why not keep the money Oh no and <laughs> not have a relationship with your sister. No,
1: because then you're <laughs> then, then you're as bad as she is if you're going to be spiteful like that. She has not stepped What's so the mother
0: left it all to Sue. She
1: did, but really their sisters and half of that money you know i got a feeling that the Virgin Radio listeners are going to agree with you, Graham, but I am trying to give something to Sue that is going to give her peace in the long run, which is to not have this hanging over you, that you took all her money away and didn't give her anything. I say take all the money and buy her a lottery
0: ticket and say good luck. (laughs) Good luck. Mom wanted you to have this lottery ticket. Um, I, I, I will. It'll be interesting to see if the Virgilisters are, are more forgiving uh, than me. I, they might. They might side with you. We don't know. Uh, yeah. And my favorite responders today will be getting a bottle of. The Ned Pinot Grigio, courtesy of Waitrose. I've had the Ned Sauvignon Blanc, but never the Pinot Grigio. It comes from the stunning valleys of Marlborough in New Zealand. And uh, complex fruit aromas of pear, quince, and nectarine, I read with interest, are finished with citrus and floral hints. Hello. Uh, That is a Ned Pinot Grigio, courtesy of waitress. Who will be getting it? We're about to find out. Alex in Devon says, I think Sue should keep the money. It's not fair that the sister has turned up at the 11th hour, threatening legal action and having contributed nothing to her mother's care. She sounds like an unpleasant and greedy individual. Now, we are getting this through Sue's letter. She was never going to come out of Sue's letter that well. I think Sue should follow her mother's wishes and the legal process of the will. Okay, John in Lincolnshire. I think you should give your sister something, as hard as it will be. If you're going to give it to charity, then perhaps give it to her anyway. Death brings horrible, greedy people out of the woodwork, unfortunately, and shows your sister's true colours. Focus on your mom for now, and this will follow in due course. You can hold your head high that you did the decent thing, and above all, was there for your mum when she, the sister, was not. Uh, what does Heather and... Aylesbury say, your mom's final wishes must be respected. You may feel guilty now, but in time you may feel guilty in going against your mom's final wishes. She's done it for a reason. Your sister will take what she can and disappear. I'm sure this will leave you feeling angry in the future, thinking of you in this difficult time. Thank you, Heather. And Joe from Marden and Kent says, Sue's mom was the one that decided to cut the sister out of the will. The mother wants what she wants. Keep the money. It's out of Sue's hands. The same as it was when the sister was not supporting or helping Sue when her mother was ill. I mean, it's it's hard, isn't it? I mean, you'd like to do the decent thing. But I kind of agree with Joe from Marden and Kent that, you know, it's. Sue didn't get. Sue didn't decide to look after the mother alone, and Sue doesn't get to decide what's in the will. I think that's quite a good way of looking at it. So, uh, Joe, Martin, and Kent, you get the Ned Pinot Grigio courtesy of Waitrose. And by the way, uh, thank you. I, we, there was a huge response to that problem, um, but just too many to, to go into, but thank you very much.
3: Guide.
0: OK, off you go with your letter.
3: A
1: second problem. Dear Graham and Maria, I'm really struggling to communicate with my partner at the moment. We've been together for five years, moved in together a year ago, and we've never had any major arguments, only the occasional bickering. About two months ago, he got a little distant, and I assumed it might have been work or just low mood. So I offered my support but left him to it but it's getting worse and worse. We'll barely text in the day, which is obviously fine, but when he gets home from work, he logs onto a computer game and chats to friends all evening. He doesn't get excited about cooking with me. We never talk when we're watching TV together. It's just really weird. It's like he has nothing to chat about. He's not ignoring me. He gives me a big hug when he gets home, always, and he always seems in a good mood, but he seems completely comfortable Doing nothing and not talking. And I don't want to lose what we had so recently and for so long. How on earth do I try and address this? That is from Laura in Colchester. Now, Laura in Colchester, when you say, always seems in a good mood, completely comfortable doing nothing and not talking... That is the life that so many men would like, I think, to log on to computer games, have someone make their tea and chat to friends all evening. What's happening here, Laura, in Colchester, is that he is not putting anything back in the pot. Nothing, nada, nada. I'm going to hazard a guess, Laura, that the intimate side of your relationship has dwindled considerably because... Somehow the glue that holds you together is has something to do with that and you can talk fondly and honestly afterwards and this is not good, what you're experiencing. I would say, Laura in Colchester, that you get tired of cooking on your own while he's on computer games and you book a table for dinner somewhere that he can pay for, uh, and that you air these thoughts. You know, you, this is a, you're in a relationship with this man. You've been together for five years and you've been moved in together and you can't talk to him. You can't sit over across a table with a glass of wine and say, what's going on, darling? You know, you're not, is this how we live our lives now? You don't want to do anything. You don't want to go anywhere. You just want to, I don't want this. But we you used know, to have such
0: fun. But you know, when you go to restaurants, there are so many couples sat there, just accompanied by the clicking of their own cutlery. Well, that's
1: certainly on Valentine's Day. You see that a yeah, lot. Yeah,
0: it just looks so grim and depressing. And then sometimes, I remember being in the in the cinema uh, a few years ago, and there was uh, an old couple in front of me, I mean, really old, and they were chatting on, they had opinions about the film, They and you just thought, oh, isn't that... That's so great that after all their years together, they still have so much to say yes. to each other. But
1: if you don't do anything, Graham, you, you don't have anything to bring to the yeah. table. You know, if a couple as constantly talk, you know, on the texting each other, telling the, every tiny bit of gossip, you don't have anything to come home and talk about. So, you know, this is why absence is sometimes quite good, because it can make you see that there's another world out there and bring things back to the party and you exchange views, etc. You've got into a rut, Laura, in Colchester and... It's imperative that you get out of it. Bring back the intimate side if that indeed has suffered and just talk to your partner. He's the man you love and you live with and when you say, how on earth do I address this? You say, what's going on? We used to have such fun. We used to go go go-karting or go to the cinema or go to the theatre or or go out for dinner and now every night is the same. Computer games, chatting to friends. I make dinner, we go to bed and we lie quietly and silently on separate sides. You know, I'm painting a picture of a gazillion people i'm sure
0: yes. here i do like the go-karting was your first yeah was your first dating well, opportunity I know,
1: but when she said <laughs> where
0: we... you sit in a car by yourself and don't talk
1: no and then you try and crash into your partner as you go around the bend and put them off the track no that just made me think of something exciting yes something that gets the adrenaline up. Vroom, there's no vroom. adrenaline in yeah. this relationship
0: i would say laura
1: ask some questions like, ask what? questions. What? Go on, ask me. I'm the, I'm the partner that likes to log on. OK. How
0: are you today?
1: I'm good, thanks. There you go. <laughs> I didn't go so well. <laughs> then ask a second question. Wait, which is? Uh, what's that computer game you're playing? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Graham! <laughs> Why did not we talk anymore? Why don't you tell me anything? Why don't you cuddle me and hold me? You gave me a perfunctory hug. I could be your mum when you come in from well, work.
0: That is the trouble. He, he thinks that hug's enough.
1: He thinks it's all just enough.
0: Yeah. Uh, he's
1: perfect. She says he's in not in a bad mood. Well, no, he's got his teammate and he's got his computer. And I,
0: I wonder, I think the listeners might go down a rabbit hole of it's not that he's not talking to her. There's something he doesn't want to tell her.
1: Well, you plucked that out of the proverbial hat.
0: Well, no, because there's not enough evidence to... to... Really support that. Okay, then but she. I, so I, I she wonder. has to.
1: Two months ago, she she pins this too So she has to actually say, "What happened two months ago? Are you seeing someone? Are you thinking of seeing someone? It's best you tell me now." Because I need to get everything out of the house.
0: Yes, because I, I was thinking you investing in a new duvet cover. And I'll go single.
1: Best you tell me now, because I'm not making dinner for the rest of the week.
0: Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. do you enjoy salad?
1: So you're saying, well, they've only just moved in together. It's five years together. they just moved in. It's, they've taken this relationship slowly. And now he's just thinking, is this the rut that I'm in for the rest of my life? Oh, look at that lady at work. She's got pretty legs. Uh, wonder if she'd like to come and have a coffee with oh, me. Oh, look, here's some ladies on a computer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's not go down that rabbit no.
0: hole. Uh, do you have advice for Laura from Colchester? My favourite responder will be getting a bottle of the Ned Pinot Grigio, courtesy of Waitrose. Thank you very much. Maria Margate says, Laura, he's checked out. You love him, but look how he's treating you. He's probably having an affair. Oh dear, <laughs> we got to the affair quite quickly. I did think listeners might suspect that, but uh, yes, uh, he's probably having an affair. He's living his best life as a flatmate. Sadly, you need to realise this. Kick him out and move on. I mean, I mean, I wonder if Maddie's right. <laughs> You would save a lot of time if you did that right now, uh, Laura. But let's let's see what everybody else thinks. Cleo in Rochford. I had the same happen to me at the five-year mark. My partner basically checked out of the relationship, but didn't have the guts to tell me. You need to set aside a quiet time to ask him directly what's going on and tell him how your actions are making you feel. And then he'll tell you everything's fine. <laughs> For another mm, two years. And... Uh, then he'll suddenly one day move out. Uh, Charlie in Reading. Maybe Laura should go on a solo holiday for a few days and see how the other half copes when he doesn't get his dinner cooked for him. I mean, it, it's except there's no point playing those games. It's much better to try and not play games. But at least you do get a little solo holiday. So yeah, At least you got something out of it. Uh, Janie in Ashen Forest. You sound miserable and like you're having to play mom. This is not how a relationship should be, even though so many are. What do you like doing? Invite him to what you want to do. Talk to him or start packing. Good luck. Well, now, see, that is sensible advice because that's a proactive thing to do. You know, engage him, invite him to do things. And if he's still not willing to do any of that, then you know. I mean, that's kind of he has answered he has answered your question. Uh, right. Janie in Ashdown Forest, you get the bottle of Ned Pinot Grigio, courtesy of oh, Waitrose. Oh, great is that? The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. You can taste when it's Waitrose. Virgin Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show, Mr. Gabriel Byrne. Uh, this is where there should be zoo radio and people should be clapping. But uh, welcome, sir. <laughs> uh I We spoke before about this memoir, Walking with Ghosts, and I loved the the memoir. Whose idea was it to turn it into a stage show?
2: Well, I had no idea about turning it into anything more than just the, the memoir itself. And then um, my producer and Clark just rang up out of the blue and said, um, I think this would make a good uh, piece of theatre. And I started to think about it and then I thought, Maybe we could do this. So hammering prose into theatre a theatre play r- requires um, it's a very different uh, discipline. But um,
0: and did you do it yourself? Did you adapt? No, it I, I, I,
2: w- w- I adapted it uh, myself, and and then the Broadway director Lonnie Price came in, and. I think the interesting thing about it is that when you're in that process, you can't be jealously guarding words. You have to just surrender to what works dramatically. So um, it has to have a narrative thrust forward. But equally, directing you, though, sorry to interrupt, but directing
0: you must be odd because these are your memories. These are Mm. people you knew Mm -hmm. in your past. Mm -hmm. So presumably if there's any argument with the director, you win. (laughs)
2: <laughs> well, you, you could say, yeah, no, I, I knew that guy and he, and he didn't. He did talk like that. He did talk like that. <laughs> there, there are elements of that for sure. But um, it all has to be whether it works as a dramatic uh, moment, a dramatic narrative. And so you have to be prepared to let everything go.
0: And in the book, obviously it's it's long form, so mm. there's room for everything. There's room mm. for, for the comedy and there's some very sad moments in the book. When you were adapting it, did you find yourself leaning more towards one than the other?
2: Um, I found myself leaning more towards uh, the humorous side of it. Okay. Because um, I think the one thing that the show... Um, um, it, the, the reason it stands out is because it is funny. And it's funny in a way that's um, unusual. It's, it's the humour of um, observation of people. That, that's, and it's not vicious or cruel humour. It's the, 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 the humour of, of trying to capture the humanity of people through, through humour.
0: And you premiered it in Ireland. Mm-hmm. Was it The Gaiety? The Gaiety, was the it, Gaiety, the Gaiety. Yeah. And, like, I I was thinking about this. I was thinking, like, an, an Irish audience will enjoy it, maybe not more, but they'll enjoy it in a different way because they'll know the places you're talking about and they'll know that the, they can see the man or they can know, you know, they know the, those people. What was it like taking it to, to Edinburgh? Was the audience reaction very different?
2: Well, that's a good question. Um, First of all, as you, as you might know, going back to Ireland to perform has a special kind of free song to it, because you're you're playing in front of the home crowd. <clears throat> uh, footballers and singers will tell you that that the most nerve wracking thing is to go back to <laughs> Dublin and risk the opprobrium of the of the Irish audience, but. It was very emotional. It really was. I hadn't been, I hadn't performed in Dublin for years and years and years. And it felt in a strange kind of a way, like a, like a coming home, you know, mm-hmm. and um, they reacted, I mean, beyond anything I could have expected. So I was a bit nervous about going to Edinburgh and the Edinburgh audiences reacted in the same way because they've tried to make the piece universal. Yes, there's a couple of things in it that you might say are specifically Irish, but most of it, uh, m- most of it is something that transcends, you know, uh, um, idiom and culture and accent and so forth.
0: And because the, the book does go up to kind of the beginnings of your career. Yeah. So were people in the book at the show in Dublin?
2: There were, there were. (laughs) And that was a bizarre moment when people who I'd written about when they were children turned up as these creatures at the door. And I was trying to figure out who who is this person? And they introduced themselves. And I, I thought, my God, memory is such a strange thing because it is very, of course, obviously selective, but memories tend to stay... Um, static, you tend to remember the yeah. moment and then when the person from that moment shows up you think oh my god this is just it's a shocking reminder of time and change but
0: also isn't it weird how you you think you share a memory but when you come back together again you realise oh we had such a different mem- memory of that thing, of yeah. that moment
2: yeah, well, a, a policeman will tell you that if a, a if a guy falls off his bike and seven people see it, there'll be seven different versions of of the event. Yeah. So yes, I, I, I think those kinds of memory, those kinds of memories, uh, in families, one person will say, oh, "I remember this," the other person, "Well, that I, that's not my memory of it," because all our memories are unique. To us and they're, they're filtered through emotion and circumstance and personality and so forth.
0: I'll tell you what, Gabriel, okay, we'll talk some more, but let's uh, have a break for some music. You've chosen a track. Is there any particular reason?
2: Um, yeah, a, a Clean Cook Kid um, by Bob Dylan. I, I was living uh, for a while in um, in Los Angeles, in in Hollywood, and uh, with my first wife, we had rented this house in in Bel Air and it was my 40th birthday and I got up that morning and um, she said oh happy birthday and I thought that's a bit, bit on the slim side for a 40th birthday <laughs> and uh, so she said we special treat today we're going to go out to the beach which in Los Angeles is not that big of a day it's not that big of a day out really so we went to the beach and there was nothing didn't say anything in particular we I mean, we were coming up the drive and I thought, this is really, I can't believe it. And I looked in the flower bed and there was a bottle of a, a bottle of Guinness. And I thought to myself, Bel Air bottle of Guinness, this is weird. Who would be drinking Guinness in our front garden? So I went in and out of cupboards and under tables and from behind sofas came all the people that I was friendly with and knew and that loved and so on. And soon the room was packed. And there was a girl who was... In charge of looking after her younger son, who was in the bedroom, and suddenly the the, the silence was split open by her uh, scream of panic, and she ran in with her hands to her head, in kind of typical horror uh, horror movie, uh, oh oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, everybody said what 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 is it? And just behind her <laughs> appeared Bob Dylan, who had. <laughs> walked into the bedroom, mistaken it for the front door, and had walked through the bedroom where she was looking after the baby. She dropped the baby on the bed (laughs) because she was so shocked and ran out. And he came over to me and he said, "Um, um, yeah, he said, I thought that was the front door. Sorry. And he had a present. And I don't know if you've ever gotten a present like this, but you know when somebody's passing through an airport and they say, I forgot to get it, and they go into one someplace that says, Souvenir of Rio de Janeiro, because that's where he was. Yeah, 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 It was a copper plate thing, the cheapest possible thing you could get, wrapped in newspaper. But because it's Bob Dylan, I still have it on the wall. <laughs> and um, he, he said... Um, happy birthday, would you, like, would you like me to play something? And there was a little band there called the Young Dubliners who were a local rock band. And uh, I said, could you play um, Clean Cook Kid? And he said, yeah, haven't played that for a while. I like that one. And he played it. And, and that's why I remember it so specifically.
0: <laughs> that is the best reason for picking a song <laughs> that we've heard for a very long time. Uh, let's do the business. Uh, Gabriel Burns' one-man show, Walking with Ghosts, that we're talking about, it runs in the West End uh, from this Tuesday until the 17th of September, so not long to see it. Uh, tickets are available at the Apollo Theatre, all of them, theapollotheatre.co.uk. Um, you're doing these very short... Little bits. So after London, you do a bit more of UK, or is it straight no, to Broadway?
2: We go, we go straight to Broadway. Straight to Broadway. We, yes. <laughs> yeah, we run for um, I think three months on, on, on Broadway, which is an astonishing journey, really, for a play from you know last March or February to Edinburgh to London and then to uh, to um, to Broadway. And um I think it's I, I I think it's I think it's something that people re- really react to because it touches on all the areas of life that we tend to think about ourselves, and it's also uh, wrapped up in um a lot of humor
0: and as an actor, do you miss people because it's quite an odd experience for you you know stand up comics this is their life, but for an actor you're nearly always talking to someone. <laughs> yeah. um, like, are you a bit lonely backstage and after the show who do you talk to?
2: Um, no, not lonely but it gives me tremendous respect for people who do stand-up because you're walking into the, you you walk off the side of the stage into unknown territory and anything can literally happen. Anything. You can't predict it. It's not like a film where you, you know, where you can call cut. Um, and um the audience is responding in real time to a real situation um no i do feel that sense of aloneness as i walk out but then there are so many characters to play in the in 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 the play that i don't feel lonely about not talking to other actors. Sometimes it might be a bit of a relief, actually, to get away from <laughs> it. Uh.
0: I always think it's afterwards, though, where you can't laugh about kind of like, oh, did you see that man with the terrible wig? Or, you know, <laughs> yeah. oh, I said blue instead of green. You yeah. know, there's not a, there's no post-match uh, thing.
2: Yeah. Well, th- this post-match with the producers and with the people okay. backstage and, you know, um, when we were in uh, in Wexford, for example, I took the wrong turn coming off the stage and walked straight into an iron bar, and opened a cut on my forehead. It, it gave me a, a line anyway. Uh, actor walks into a bar, and uh, and so um, they had to announce at half time he will be wearing a bandage in the second half on his forehead. He's totally fine and everything, and. Uh, so when I came out then, I, I was bandaged on the forehead. And I, <laughs> it's a cheap way to get a round of applause, <laughs> I have to say. But I did get a round of applause for the bandage.
0: And you, oh, I mean, again, what's odd too is for an actress, is you are Gabriel Byrne. Mm-hmm. You are Gabriel Byrne telling Gabriel Byrne's mm-hmm. Story. Mm. So, do, I mean, is there is it very is it totally scripted or is there a bit of looseness in it where you kind of go, well, Gabriel Byrne could say this because, hey, I'm Gabriel Byrne. Uh, um,
2: no, it's scripted. Uh, it's scripted very carefully. It it is almost like um, like a play uh, in in that way. Um, but. Th- I didn't start on this to say, oh, look at me and look at my life. My my real ambition with it is to say, yes, I'm telling this story, but I want you to think about your life. And that seems to be what happens. People leave the theatre thinking about the things that they've seen in the show, because every single person has an extraordinary story to tell. and. What this does is it's a framework for people to think about where they've been, the the decisions that they've made in their lives that have altered their destiny, their relationship with the ghosts of the past, people who have passed on, old loves, even landscapes are ghostly in in their own way. So it's kind of like a, a map for people to say, well, I'll impose my story onto that. And you will find that it's not that terribly different. And it doesn't The one thing I've learned from travelling all over the world, it sounds like a banality to say it, but people are the same everywhere. You know, there's always a boar who's going to sit down beside so <laughs> you yeah. and there's always going to be uh, somebody who, uh, you know, who's got so, a sense of humour or whatever. People are the same everywhere. And... um by telling this story, you universalize it. Um, because it's set in Ireland to a great extent, um, people tend to think, oh, well, that's a period piece because it's in Ireland. But there's not one subject in that play that is not totally relevant to today.
0: Yeah. I can't wait to see it it's called Walking with Ghosts and it's uh, in the West End at the Apollo Theatre from this Tuesday till Saturday the 17th of September so you don't have long to see it uh, tickets are available at the Apollo Theatre or Gabriel, thank you so much for coming in to see us. It's been a real pleasure to talk to you this morning. Thank you, Greg. Oh.
2: The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. You can taste when it's Waitrose.
0: Virgin Radio. I am joined now by Marcus Mumford. He is solo. He's got his first solo album. It's called Self-Titled. Uh, welcome to the show, Marcus Mumford. Thank you
3: so much for having me.
0: Very nice to be. Nice view. It is quite a nice view, yeah. We try not to talk about it too much because you know it's a very nice view it's very nice <laughs> it's me. a very nice view uh, so how are you doing are you enjoying this new uh this new world of marcus without the sons?
3: yeah no it's great i was on my way in here and you'd know this better than i do but sometimes it's hard to tell um when you meet people outside a building like this whether they're a fan of your music or a professional autograph hunter and i met this guy who had me sign something really, there's two guys there who had me sign something it was really sweet like really looking forward to the album Thanks so much. And then I turned to the next guy, ready to sign, and he just sort of shrugged and looked at me. And, <laughs> and it was a really great British moment—a humbling, <laughs> lovely moment. It was so embarrassing. We're like, oh, here you go. Mate. He's like, no, you're all right. <laughs> um, Don't no. spoil this paper. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, leave me alone. Um,
0: and. I mean I, cuz I don't know your history. Were you, I mean obviously you were Marcus Mumford before the band, but were you a mu- been, were you, yeah. <laughs> were you a musician? Were you did you do solo work before the
3: band or was No. No, okay? I didn't. I was a drummer all the way through school and then I started off playing drums for Laura Marling <clears throat> and we toured together for a couple of years and then the band started while I was doing that. So I was moonlighting playing in the band and it came from the context of just playing drums and not being a frontman. And singing songs and so i've only ever done that and i did it for 15 years straight and i'm going back to it as soon as i'm done with this but it felt time to do this
0: and we say solo but uh, do you form another band to do this
3: yeah Yeah. and it's the most collaborative collaborative thing i've ever worked on so you call it solo because i come from a band context but really we formed a different band for each song on the record which is really fun and amongst a community of musicians in los angeles which is actually where i was born so it weirdly feels a bit like home as well and that was kind of uh explorative and quite exciting for me to get to work with lots of different musicians because really the collaborative nature of music has always been my favorite bit about it yeah and the people that you get to meet and interact with and learn from so it's been a cool experience
0: and you've already done a chunk of touring in north america
3: no, I just oh, played oh, a I... show or two. I did oh. Newport Folk Festival and then played with Joni Mitchell there. Oh, <gasps> you was amazing. Had. Yeah, I was playing congas. I was back to my roots playing drums in the band, which was pretty special. And, and then that,
0: that video just made me bawl. Yeah. I yeah, mean, yeah. So yeah. good.
3: She's back, which is cool. And that was the first time she'd played live in 20 years or something. So it started from these little jams at her house in Los Angeles, which Brandi Carlisle organizers and she's sort of been like her vocal physiotherapist over the last few years and sort of has culminated in this Newport moment that we shared which was really cool so she put a band together and I was very privileged to be part of that band
0: wow and so what are the I mean obviously that so that's a standalone gig that's like yeah. a, a life moment in the uh-huh. memory bank yeah uh, but doing Marcus Mumford gigs by yourself what's your experience of those are you liking them are you liking all the attention the The light is on me
3: different it's really different not having someone next to me answering half the questions (laughs) but um no it's cool it feels fairly natural it feels fairly um safe actually i feel like i've i've had enough experience now that i can can carry it on my own in this context if i need to and it's not something i want to do forever but for this record for me it was important too yeah and um yeah the first the first i played a show at newport that's where i wanted to kind of launch the new music really in a public space and it was amongst a real community of musicians that i knew and loved and a lot of whom came to the show and played other songs with me and stuff so as long as there's other people around i feel fine
0: and it's interesting you started at a, 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 like a folk festival because obviously Mumford and Sons mm. were the most successful kind of uh, that's as far as you could push that uh, yeah. that sort of music. And yet this album, I would say, is less folk based. Or is that me
3: being an idiot? No, it's not you being an idiot. Oh, at all. good. Come on, few, few. far be it from few. you. Of no, all I thought, people. I, I thought you'd plugged some things in. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and and that was for me a natural part of just being sort of curious musically and. And basing it of course around songs that I'd written, but getting the opportunity to work with Soundwave who produces Kendrick Lamar's music, of which I'm such a massive fan anyway. Getting to work with women again for the first time in a while since working really with Laura. I've been in a male-dominated sausage <laughs> festival environment for a long time. So getting to work with people like Brandy Carlile and Phoebe Bridges and Monica Martin and Danielle Ponda was really, Claro, was really exciting to me. And it sort of helped fulfil the curiosity I had around making music again.
0: And it, it's interesting, you know, you talk about working with all these amazing people and, and Steven Spielberg did the the video for Cannibal, is that mm. what he did? So, and that's all off the back of the success of, of the band. Did the success of the band kind of take you all by surprise or were kind of record industry people going, yes, this is the next big thing. You guys are going to be huge.
3: Yeah, it was a surprise. It wasn't a shock because we were on tour every night for the first five years of the band. And before there was any kind of production involved that meant you had to space the gigs out more so that people could have time to set up. Um, And so we'd see it night on night the audience grew a bit and grew a bit and it it was sort of fast but also gradual so it was surprising but it wasn't necessarily a shock we were sort of like yeah there's people listening and we're sort of confused by how many people there are listening but everyone's invited no one has to stay we, we were never trying to be cool or yeah. massive but it just sort of kept rolling so I don't know what the industry people would say. I try and stay as far away from them as possible. But, <laughs> but,
0: but, but, like, nearly four million albums, Grammys, you know, you couldn't have imagined that in your future.
3: No, and I don't think you do when you sign up to be in a band with your mates. You're just playing instruments. You also don't sign up to be, like, effectively a model, having to stand in front of a camera or a spokesperson, <laughs> having to stand in front of a microphone. There's a bunch of stuff you don't sign up for that kind of comes to the territory, which isn't a complaint. It's just, again, surprising. Um, and you sort of figure it out as you go, and then we get surprised when people melt down. You know? And did
0: you lose a bet to have your name in the title? Or <laughs> I mean, uh, because that—that's the thing. Suddenly, you are going to. It was going gonna to be to like, you. it people was going
3: to have- be like Marcus Mumford and the dot 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 Jets or whatever. Um, but we decided it felt more like a family business, you know, like a like an old cleaner or something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have some regrets around the name, but you know, whatever. Yeah, well, I guess it's, it's that, you know,
0: I always think the, the nicest job in the world would be to be not Chris Martin in
3: Coldplay. <laughs> well, I think that Adam Clayton and you too talks about only ever being five minutes away from being asked how Bono is. <laughs> you know, So I don't know. I think it, I think it comes with its ups and downs.
0: Uh, and the ups, presumably, is now. The up is you get to be Marcus Mumford
3: and, and, and work with all these amazing people. Well, yeah, I mean, working with the amazing people came after having done the hard work of writing the songs. So Steven Spielberg responded to the album. He was like one of the first people to hear it outside of a room with me because um, okay, his wife we, we got asked pulled. for it. How does that happen? Well, his, I, his wife was a fan of the band, heard I was making some solo music. Word had got to her that it was all right, or that <laughs> she might like it at least. And so she listened to it, and, and she and Stephen sat down and listened to it together, and it really resonated for them. And they wrote me the most amazing letter. And it was the first person outside of the circle of people that I was listening to it in a room with while we were mixing or whatever who heard it. And the only album review I ever need to read. And so when it came to like the label saying, unless you've got a visual for Cannibal, we can't put it out. And it was an emergency. And so I called them and said, is there only way I can come and talk to you about this. And so we sat down and talked for like three hours about the record. And they really got it and understood it, which is why we worked together. I don't think we worked together because of yeah. the success of the band necessarily. It was like, maybe they knew about me because of that, but they responded to the music and the songs, which was cool. Wow. I mean, that's, uh, amazing! Amazing. It was isn't? cool. Yeah.
0: Um, we should also. I love this idea that you're doing um, gigs in record stores. Yes. Uh, bring back the vinyl. Yeah. Uh, so I know the you're vinyl starting is a, back. Yeah. You're. Know, is it Rough Trade in? No, I've got this here. Hang on. Uh, Rough Trade in Nottingham. Yeah. Uh, you kick off on the twenty Yeah, I'm
3: doing. I'm doing a bunch like um, Kingston and Brighton and and Nottingham and. Um, you know i believe in record stores i still believe in browsing physically and i think some of those shows are at different venues but they're run by record stores i'm doing a bunch in the states as well in record stores and i just yeah there's a i think there's a kind of scrappy magic that happens when you walk into a store and play yeah um in front of are you doing a full
0: show in the record store just just me yeah yeah it's just me but like what i mean is like is it a full set or is it just a couple of songs
3: yeah, no, it'll be a full set. All yeah, oh, yeah. right. Oh, yeah. so it's
0: worth going. Okay. I think it's... <laughs> Well, that's still debatable.
3: Maybe it's worth going over and signing a couple songs.
0: <laughs> I'll brush my teeth for that. <laughs> Uh, Marcus Mumford, his new album, self-titled, is out on the 16th of September and you can get uh, UK tour tickets at marcusmumford.com. Lovely to see you. Congratulations on on everything and uh, much success to you, sir. Thank you. Still to come, we play everyone's favourite game, Guess the Guest. Will someone get that fancy Waitrose gift box? But first, 39 years ago, uh, Alt Images uh, released their third studio album, Bite. Now... They released their, four, their fourth. <laughs> just in 39 years. Claire Grogan of all has just joined us now. Hello. Uh,
4: hello. Hello. I mean, it is kind of ridiculous and yet perfect <laughs> as well. I'm just, I'm kind of having me pinch me moments all over the place, Graeme. And I'm trying to kind of keep my cool about it and failing miserably. Yeah, I mean, I
0: thought Rihanna kept us waiting for a long time for a new <laughs> album. <laughs> like, 39 years? I think some fans might have given up. Yeah. <laughs>
4: <laughs> or some might. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of taken me by surprise as well. That's that's the kind of beauty of it. Because, you know, like a lot of people in during the lockdowns, you know, once we'd been through the box sets, the boxes of wine and the crisps, yeah. I thought, what am I going to do? And it had kind of created some space in my head. To be creative again, yeah. and I just you know I'm really fortunate that I live with Stephen Laroni who's my husband. He's not not that's not the fortunate, but but the fortunate. <laughs> bit is, well, it is sometimes there are some perks. But he's an amazing record producer, and I just said let's let's do something. Let's let's and we did, and it it started pretty much at our kitchen table and yeah. went from there. I didn't decide to make a new album or anything. I just thought let's write some songs. And
0: because Altered Images kind of, it did go away for a bit, but then it, it the, in the kind of 80s revival, you know, all those tours and things, how long was it after the 80s <laughs> that we started being nostalgic <laughs> for the 80s? I
4: know. Um, well, for 18 years, I didn't sing an Altered Images song. And then I think it was 2002, I got asked to do a really big arena tour with the Human League and Kim Wilde. And I kind of thought, I think that might be a bit ridiculous. And um, and then my family were like, oh, Claire, you've got to do this. I think they just really wanted to hang out backstage with Phil and Kim <laughs> more than anything. So I did embrace it. And I, I suppose I thought it was going to be a one off. And of course, it hasn't been. It's just gone on and on and on. And, you know, the revival has lasted longer than the decade. And I don't know what that is, but I'm having the time of my life. <laughs>
0: Yeah, oh, and, well, Virgin are embracing it. They've now got an a 80s-plus sister station here just, you know, featuring uh, music from that decade. It's it's amazing. It's
4: extraordinary.
0: Because it, living through it, I don't think any of us thought these songs were going to be around for this <laughs> long.
4: We really didn't. I mean, and for me, it was all like, you know, that Andy Warhol 15 minutes of yeah, fame yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah. But, you know, quite often people say to me, what do you think it is? And I've come to the conclusion people just... Love the songs. Yeah. It's really that simple.
0: And what's great is you're going on your headline tour. This Mm -hmm. is your first headline tour for...
4: A a long time. A long, long time. Yeah.
0: Um, And it kicks off uh, this Friday in (laughs) Paisley. Well,
4: actually, sorry, I just remembered I did it in March as well.
0: Oh, right. It's been months (laughs) since I did a headline tour. Months. Yeah. People listening to this going, I'm sure I I'm went just... to see an altered images tour not that long ago. I know. Yeah. I, uh, OK, so you're back at it. You know. yeah. But but Zimni, that down March, were you doing any of the new songs then?
4: Yeah. Well, oh, you were, OK. I'd sneak them into the set. Um, And actually what I'm finding and what's really encouraging is that people are really responding to them. I mean, I know I'm bound to say that, but they really are. And, and we worked quite hard at, you know, when I was writing the album, I wrote it with Stephen and um, Bernard Butler oh, yeah. and Robert Hodgins or Bobby Bluebell, as some people know him. I kept on saying to them, I want to recreate that boldness that I had as a 17-year-old. And there's something about the arrogance of youth that I quite like that we all lose along the way, you know, because life absolutely kicks the absolute bejesus <laughs> out of you, you know. And I thought, let's let's do this kind of big, loud, bold statement about thinking that you can keep recreating your moments in life and and also I kept on thinking that um a big night out is a bit like a metaphor for life itself you know the kind of the getting ready the getting there the falling in love the falling out the endless drama that goes on in a big night out and you never quite know where you're gonna land And that's where the whole mascara streaks thing came. I just thought it's a bit like life, you know, or certainly if you've ever had a big night out in Glasgow, that's going to prepare you for life. (laughs) I think you know what I'm talking about, (laughs) Graeme. I do. But here's the thing,
0: what's because your daughter, is she 17 now? Yeah. I mean, do you look at her and go like, wait, I was your age when Mm. it all happened for me? I mean, you must think. Because you wouldn't want that to happen to your own daughter now, surely, yeah. at this point in her life.
4: I mean, if I'm being really honest, it made me realise how vulnerable I was when I started back then. And, you know, there was so there's a kind of poignancy in the record as well, you know, and also for Ellie and all her friends during lockdown, all that freedom taken away from them when they should have been out there having the time of their life or at least snogging people, you know? I mean, I just found it really interesting how she coped with that. And, you know, teenagers are so... I don't want to sound corny, but there's something really interesting about how precious and... Determined they are in the same way, you know, and I, I like that. I really engaged with that. Does that sound a bit crazy? No,
0: no. It's. I think it's. I think it's. It, it's been a really interesting for everybody, but I think particularly for young people because yeah. you, know, you know, we 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 you know we could cool our heels. It didn't, it didn't matter <laughs> for us. And also, like you say, it opened up that re, that creative streak in your life. It gave you that the space. Yeah. Uh, Daryl has been in touch. Daryl wants to know. We want to be to ask you what effect you feel uh, Gregory's girl had on your career? Because did that happen at a, at the same time as the music?
4: Yeah, in the summer I left school, Graham. I made Gregory's Girl and I got signed to a major record label and it's had a... Both... Everyone must
0: have hated you.
4: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Effigies
0: was... have even burnt in the playground. <laughs>
4: there was a little of that, I'd have to say. Uh, but yeah, I call it my double whammy. I will never to this day understand how that happened to me. Um, but it's been a honestly it's been a gift in life and you know there you know people sometimes say do you ever get fed up with it and it's like no i don't because most performers do not get the opportunity to have things that people really love you know i mean i've said this before graeme you know when you're in this business and you do lots of different things there's always going to be somebody that says you know that i didn't really like i didn't get that but see gregory's girl not a bit of it. No one has ever said to me, "See that Gregory girl It was rubbish." You know, it could be tempting fate here. I don't yeah. know. Oh, some texts are coming in. Uh... <laughs> What have I started? Yeah, I
0: remember once on the radio saying, "Who doesn't like Adele?" Oh, I quickly found out who didn't <laughs> like Adele. <laughs> turns out, quite a lot of people. <laughs> and we we should say that you're not just back in music, but you're also back in the movies. I am. Uh, yes, uh, this documentary, My Old School, Lulu's in talking about it, uh, and this is the documentary about the guy who goes back to school in Glasgow in Bearsden Academy, and it turns out he's a 32 year old man. But you had you left Glasgow by then.
4: I had but I was really aware of that story I mean I think we all were it's an incredible story and I think that Alan Cummings has done a great job of of recreating this person Brandon Lee at this point in his life but it's a Glorious film, and um, I think that it's so cleverly done. I really, really do. There's just so many aspects to it. But you know what I love about it, to a certain extent, is the real people in it—the people that were at school with them at that time.
0: The cast, the the classmates, are genius. They They, really are. Like I, I, I mean, I'd like to. I mean, I just imagine if we put my class together i don't think we'd be as funny and that charming as that yeah
4: yes. they were great and that is the beauty of the film them, you know being yeah it's a great film i really really i'm so happy to be part of it
0: yeah because you provide the voice in the animated parts because yes, the, the do. back the flash but the recreations are done in, in animation yes that's yeah.
4: right it's it's a glorious film it's really i'm so delighted that it's it's doing so well for O, who directed yeah. it because he's is done. Is done. A great job of telling a really intriguing story and keeping you on the edge of your seat. Yeah. Because I know the story, Graham, and I've seen the film a couple of times, and I still go, "Oh gosh, that's what happened," and that yeah. you know. And great. also,
0: I think what I like about it is that it's not a. It's not. Dark and kind of moody and sinister. It's a very like, because, you know, all those classmates who went through it find it funny and they're talking about it. And it's, yeah.
4: What I love about it as well, Graeme, is there's very little judgment in it. It tells the story in a really, really powerful way without judging them on it. And it's, you know, it would be quite easy to judge them a little bit at times in it. And I think that that resisting that was definitely the right move because you end up feeling some. Real empathy for him, you know. Yeah. Or I certainly yeah, did as I well. Agree.
0: And that's in cinemas. And we should say, by the way, is it tomorrow? I think tomorrow is cinema day where it's three quid. Uh, oh, I think if you go to the cinemas tomorrow, it's three quid.
4: Is it? Great. Right? Yeah.
0: Uh, so get to your cinemas, because cinemas, as, you know, there's a big chain of them about to go bust, and we're going to lose cinemas. Oh, uh,
4: I know, and that would be so awful. I mean, yeah. that's where I sneak off on my own. To, I, I <laughs> like going to the cinema on my own. Well, at the
0: moment, I- you probably would be on your own. So. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Ellie always says to me, I know when you're fed up with Dad and I, you go to the cinema. <laughs> <laughs> I can make it clearer if you like. <laughs>
0: Uh, but so, there, yeah, three quid, three yeah. quid tomorrow. So uh, go support your cinemas. And so your, your, when you do the tour, Altered Alter Images, um, Like, it, what is that? Is that yeah. who, who else is there?
4: Well, I wouldn't want anyone to be misled and think that there's some kind of recreation of the original band. I mean, that just it would never happen. And that's the truth of it. But for a long time now, I've been working with a group of musicians that are based in Glasgow. And I call them my sort of cooperative of musicians. So at any for this tour, I'm going to have Gillian on guitar, Alan on guitar, Rosie on bass and Martin on drums. But it's an ever-changing band because they're all involved in other great projects. Um, but for this tour, that's my team and they're all brilliant. And of course, it gives me this great excuse to keep going back to Glasgow because that's where we rehearse. And, oh, right. I love that, yeah. And, you know, I've got no... You know, my dad died just before the pandemic, Graeme. So it used to be great for me to go and stay with dad at his, you know, care home. Yeah. (laughs) And then rehearse with the band. So, you know, it's funny when you lose a parent. And, you know, my mum passed a long time ago. I just can't. I'll never let go of Glasgow. So it's brilliant. I've got this real positive reason to go back up there, you know, Aww. and be with my band.
0: That is fantastic. Listen, congratulations, Claire. I'm thrilled for you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, that is Claire Grogan, uh, Altered Images, new album, Scar Streaks, out now. And you can get, find tickets and information for the tour at alteredimages.band. Thank you so much for coming in to see us. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday.
4: It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Graeme.
0: <laughs> cheers. Bye.
2: Guess. Yeah.
0: The, um, guest. Guest. Yeah, that's who we're playing. Guest the guest. Uh, Someone hopefully will win a Graham Norton Waitrose gift box. This is the voice they are trying to identify.
4: Oh, pet the dolphin. It's so soft.
0: So we're petting the dolphin. It's all soft. And like, now go into the water and see how smooth its belly is. So we go into the water and see how smooth its belly is. It's like. (laughs) (laughs) Mm, And the rest. Uh, Okay. First up is Jill. Hello, Jill. Hi, Graham. Hi. Where are you? Um, I'm in Birmingham. Lovely. And what have you got planned for your Sunday in Birmingham? Um, not a lot,
5: really. Um, <laughs> went for a run this morning and that was enough, I think. Yeah, that,
0: that does sound like quite a lot. I mean, a run and now and now you're playing guest the guest. I mean, this is a very full day, really, Jill. <laughs> well,
2: yeah, big day. Big it day. is. And there's a lot
0: <laughs> at stake here because uh, we could be filling your day with that Waitrose gift box. So... Let's let's find out. Do you know who that voice belongs to? Who do you think it is?
5: I think it's Elizabeth Banks.
0: Elizabeth Banks. Interesting choice. Let's see if you're right. It's very tense. Very tense now. Are you right or are you wrong? Oh, Jill
5: oh okay well, well thank you anyway
0: <laughs> i know you did another thing today you you got the, the, the you, you got yeah. the get you got it wrong that's what you did today <laughs> okay go did relax after your run you tried you tried god loves a trier all right jill take care of yourself okay you next bye, bye bye next up we've got caroline hello caroline
5: hello graham
0: hello and where is caroline today
5: i am in Elsmere port
0: lovely and what that's are you in the doing in...
5: if you're trying to well not a lot like the other, <laughs> the
0: other yeah, i guess that's that's why you've got time to enter guess the guest <laughs> i'm doing nothing <laughs> i will try to enter this competition well,
5: I'm, try, I'm sorting my daughter out cause she's going to university so she's on a cap so we're on a countdown to uh her going
0: next weekend Oh, oh yeah. So are you are you bringing or are you packing up the car with I'm, everything?
5: Yes, I'm packing the car. Yes. With everything. Yes.
0: And where's she and going? We're
5: driving down. She's going to Winchester. So we're going next next weekend. So I'd like to win the hamper so I can cry. <laughs> <laughs> Drink my wine.
0: <laughs> yeah. Toaster toaster absence with some champagne. Exactly. <laughs> what What's she going to study?
5: Dietetics.
0: Okay, I'll just nod. It's a mouthful, isn't it? Yeah, I'll just nod. Okay, great. That's really good. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure that'll be be really interesting. Uh, Okay, Caroline, it's a tough one today. It is a tough one, but do you know who the voice belongs to?
5: I think we do. Uh, Kelly Rowland, we've gone for.
0: Okay, you've gone for Kelly Rowland. Let's see if you're right, let's see if you're wrong. (laughs) I mean, well done, Caroline. That wasn't easy. How did you know that was Kelly no. Rowland?
5: I, I, well, I start, I went for Ariane de Grande, but I can't say it. So then my daughter went, no, it's not. It's uh, Kelly Rowland. So joint effort.
0: <laughs> Listen, if she got that, she's got to do very well at college. <laughs> she's, she's got quite the ear. Uh, well, I'm thrilled for you. I'm thrilled for you. You are Thank getting you. that gift box. It'll have the champagne. It's got the reusable drink <gasps> shop. which uh, you could bring that to college with her. That'd be very handy. Very handy. <laughs> oh, and how cool to have a Virgin Radio reusable cup. Exactly. Uh, oh, Caroline, uh, who would you like to say hello to while while you're here? What What's your daughter's name? Uh, Charlotte. Charlotte. And anyone else you'd like to say hello to? Uh,
5: yes, to my son, Tom, and to my grandkids, Uh, Zach and
0: Amelia listening in London well remembered Caroline I I thought one of those grandkids wasn't going to make it (laughs) Uh, listen congratulations and I hope Charlotte has a has a very uh, easy and fun start to her college career All right, take care of yourself thanks for playing
4: bye bye bye
0: bye Thank you so much for joining me on the Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. And hey, have you clicked that follow button on our socials? If not, you're missing out on all the -the behind-the-scenes action from the kitchen to the studio. Just look up at Virgin Radio UK on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram.
2: The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose.
0: You can taste when it's Waitrose. Virgin Radio.